Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, Steve Herzig. Steve, how are you? I'm good. I know nothing. Bupkis. You know, you're the sage, though. I'm no sage. You are a sage. You just don't, you're being too humble. That's uh. all. You're a humble sage. <laughs> a humble sage. Well, everybody, we've got a great show lined up for you. We've got a guest. We're going to introduce her in a moment, but uh, we've got a great show lined up for you. We're starting a new series, a series on the prophet Jonah. We're going to look at the four chapters over the next four weeks of Jonah, and we're going to look at some news and our Yiddish word of the day. But before we do that, here we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. I am so glad that uh, you have joined us. Hey, listen, do you know that uh, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by uh, FOI Equip, Steve. Did you know that? I did know it, but I think it's it's important to tell our seven listeners we got one more. Oh, I know. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> we're up to seven, Chris. <laughs> no, we. Uh, but we're, it's sponsored by FOI Equip, which is your opportunity to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. And that's why, you know what, we're going to take the beginning of our, of our podcast here to welcome in a special guest, who has been a part of FOI Equip and has been a part of even other programs that are very important to her development in Jewish ministry and understanding the Bible from a Jewish perspective. So, but before we do, Chris, yes, yes, you are number one. What? You are number one on Amazon. We have to, I don't know, we have to have some canned button for you to press. Yay! Yeah, this one. We did yay last week. This Zai one. Gesund. Live and be well. well how, about, how about this one? Is anything okay? <laughs> well, you're living pretty well because Amazon, before it's even out there in January, tell us a little, how does it feel to be number one? Yeah, you know, I uh, was asked to write a book called Israel Always pre-pandemic, so I wrote it through the pandemic, and uh, it's going to be released in January, and it's really about the continuity of God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people, and a great guide for you if you want to go to Israel. But, you know, a lot of times when you read a book about Israel and the Jewish people, you it's broken up. Maybe you read about the Bible, or maybe you read about what happened during the exile, or in, you know, the medieval area era, or maybe you read about uh, the 17th and 18th and 19th centuries and, and the birth of the state of Israel. It's all sliced and diced. But really, there's a continuity of God's faithfulness through the whole uh, through this whole thing that God's been doing with the Jewish people from Abraham to today. And that's what the book does. It shows the continuity of God's faithfulness. It shows how God's been using the Jewish people, how he has a plan for them, because it doesn't. the book doesn't just stop today. It actually goes on into the future to show you God's plan and program for Israel and the Jewish people. And so uh, we bring a lot of the unique Friends of Israel flair right into the book as well. The stories of some of our founders, uh, or our founder, uh, our, our, excuse me, first executive vice president, Victor Buxbazen is in the book. Uh, you know, we have uh, Zvi Kalisher is mentioned as our, one of our first representatives in Israel. You're in the book, Steve. I mentioned Ay, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in there, my friend. You are in there. But it's not number one on Amazon. I have to humble the. I have to, you know, humble myself a little bit. It's first number one in the Israel Palestinian section of. Amazon books. I rest my case. You're number one. They found a way to make you number one. Well, so you are number one. Well, Israel always is on top of the next book, which is the first advent in Palestine. So I'm glad. Aye, 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 aye. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's good to see that Israel always is above that, at least right now. That comes well, out in Chris, January. that segues to, I want to make sure that our listeners know that. And 
Uh, in fact, your number one fan is with us. I am so excited she's here right now. We are really excited. In fact, she's already posted on her Facebook page your book that's not even ready to go. I know. That's how much of a fan she's she is. She's the best. I'm extremely excited to welcome Patty Larson to the podcast. Hi, Patty. Patty. Oh, good. Hi, Wave everybody. to the audience. Hey, Bokerto. Bokerto. Good morning. I know. I like it. Patty, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I can't believe I'm on my favorite show. The- <laughs> You know, I made it. This you made it. See, our she's right. our, she's one of the three. This is an accomplishment. This she's is saying. A, you guys have more than that. Believe me, uh, Patty. Number one, I know that you love listening to the Jew and Gentile yes. podcast, which Steve and I are so thankful for. Sometimes, you know, Steve will get in early to the office. I'll get in a little bit early, and you are diligently working around the office here at Friends of Israel, and we'll hear, all of a sudden we'll hear ourselves, and we'll go, what is, who Who are those schmoes, you know? Uh, and so, uh, schlemiels, whatever you want to call us. I think you're right on both counts. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but it's always, I'm, you're always so encouraging to us, Patty, you. and uh, you do such an amazing job of supporting the Friends of Israel. That's, it's for, even forget about the Jew and Gentile podcast, you are such an advocate for Friends of Israel and Thank how the you. Lord is using this ministry. But you've done some uh, classes. In fact, you were just in my intertestamental history class. Yes, that is so awesome. I did the part three. There was three parts. Excellent. I'm now doing, I'm doing it backwards. I'm doing Israel and prophecy. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm doing that one as well. So you're going to the tapes. You're going to the yeah. old, the ones that were recorded. I highly recommend it for anyone who's even thinking of, you know, maybe I don't want to do it. Just take one class. Mm-hmm. Go to, you're always advertising, FOI.org. Go there and check out these different classes. They're free. It's amazing teaching. It's, I feel like I'm in college. Mm. Hey, you, I'm uh, learning you, so much. You contacted other people to listen with you, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I have some people signed up. So yeah. see, she's, she's a promoter. A I know, yeah. I love it. Hey, uh, and and you had mentioned, Steve mentioned that you're listening to the tapes. Maybe for some of our audience, uh, they I'm don't sorry. know what yes. a tape is. What are you talking about, Steve? What's a tape? Uh, that's because I'm old and I know about <laughs> tapes, videotapes, cassette tapes. No, you're listening to the recording. That's I'm, right. The uh, recording. Yeah. And anybody can do that. Go to foi.org and you're going to hit videos and you're going to see everything. That's right. FOI, look at her giving the links to I know. what to do. Yeah. Unbelievable. You could listen on a podcast or you can go to YouTube. This is amazing. This She's is a, doing. Oh, I think we're going to be. I, I think I mean, we're going to retire right <laughs> now. Okay, let's. Set, we're let's, just going to call it the Patty right. Larson this, show. This is episode no, no. fifty-seven when Patty takes over. Okay, hey, that's, that's the year I was born. All right, there we go. See, wow. it was it was divine now, providence. Now all seven people know how old you are. <laughs> that's right. yeah. Patty, not only have you done some FOI equipped classes, but you've you're in right now our Bridges online internship yeah. with Bruce Scott and Cameron Joyner. Can you tell our listeners uh, all about that? Oh, amazing, amazing. I thought, I went to Israel in 2006, and I didn't think I knew everything about the Jewish people or Israel, but my love was, was there. And Steve, one morning, had said, you might, you might like bridges. He knows I love the Jewish people. And 
I did it. And I'm so glad that you had just mentioned that. Mm. And you didn't really want to do it at first. No, I because I think I'm so busy. And for those of you out there to think you're too busy, listen, I listen when I'm making soap. I listen when I'm cleaning. You can just listen and Wait a minute. Making back up, soap. Back making up. soap. What, yeah. what, 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 <laughs> making this yeah. is 2022. What do you mean you're making <laughs> soap? I make soap. Well, That's tell us a little bit about the soap. What <laughs> is this like Dove or a no. Dial? What What is it? No. No, it's just homemade soap. I just make soap. I love I, it. I've had your soap before. I mean, I've used your soap before. You've thank gifted you. us with some, and it is so, it smells. Oh, thank you. So good. What What's, do you put in that stuff? Oh, coconut oil, olive oil, palm oil. I just have different recipes. How yeah. did you, did you make up the recipes yourself? Um, In the beginning? Uh, yeah, my husband and I both did. Yeah, we just kind of looked around and... People ask me now, you know, how do you make soap? You can Google it now. We didn't have that 20 years ago. Yeah. You know. So you sell soap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the name of your company again? Uh, Solomon's Private Gardens. I lo- is that online? Uh, I just had a Facebook page. Okay, yeah. people, go to Solomon's yeah. Private Gardens. Check out some of the soaps there yeah. uh, that Patty makes and her husband makes. I love olive that you and your oil. I like olive oil. Olive oh, oil, that's yeah. Nice. That's a Castile soap. One hundred percent olive oil. Yeah. Wow. A cast. What does that even mean? A Castile soap. Castile. I guess it's from Spain. Like a. They just. There's nothing in that but olive oil. Really. And it's really good. Babies could use it. Uh, some of our uh, customers who are on. Chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all they can use. They can't use fragrance or things. So, you know, um, my wife's grandmother, Grandma Ruby, who was a devout believer. Love that name. Yeah, she would live to be a hundred. She served uh, in uh, her eighties and nineties. She wow. served in the hospital uh, in the prisons, doing prison ministry. Um, she had the smoothest skin, even to being a wow. hundred years old, and wow. she credits it to the fact that she would just take olive oil. And wipe her face with it every day, just straight olive oil. Let's do that. And so, yeah, you see, Steve, you probably do that too, huh? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. I say it makes you. I ingest olive oil. I don't put it on my skin. It's funny because Steve always distinguishes young people and old people by calling them. What do you call them? Tight-skinned people. I love tight-skinned people. But he's got so. Both of you have very tight skin. I don't know what you're Uh, talking about. I'm wrinkled up. I'm a loose-skinned people. I don't know. Well, anyway, the. The idea of olive oil, all those soaps, that's amazing. But in the in in you work at Friends of Israel, you do your own, make your own soaps and have your own business, and then you're also taking bridges. What have you learned from oh, bridges? Wow. Uh, more than I thought. It's it's more than you think it is when you go. They give you some homework. You don't have to do the homework, but I don't want to commit and not do it. It's it's just so enjoyable. Uh two of the highlights I think of my homework was um wow, I don't want to cry, but going to a Jewish cemetery Mm. um, and just seeing the names and contemplating um, what they must have went through because there was a little part there too, um, uh, Holocaust survivors and, you know, just to see that too. So you were thinking you went deeper than the names. You went to kind of thought about their life. The children. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why they did that because, you know, when you first hear that as homework, go to a Jewish cemetery and walk around. It was uh, it was amazing. And mm. then the other one I would like to mention is uh, uh, to, you know, just to love on the Jewish people and to maybe go to synagogue. I've never been to synagogue before. It was a wonderful experience. We met a beautiful rabbi named Rabbi Rachel. Mm. She welcomed us. She gave us a tour of the synagogue, and we're going to go back for some uh, Shabbat services. Fantastic. So tell, tell people who might be listening... They're kind of scared to go and... Uh, Don't be. I was nervous. 
but I also listened to Cameron. Uh, Cameron wrote an article about if it's your first time going, he said to call first, let them know you're coming, which we did. She was beyond excited mm. that we were coming. And it, it, it was so awesome. We actually, it was uh, during Sukkot, and we sat under uh, the, the, the shelter. The sukkah. The, the sukkah. sukkah. Yeah. And, and we had the service, and it, it, the people were so welcoming to us. I guess it's like when people come to visit our church, mm-hmm. we're excited when yeah. they come. I like to tell people that, for the most part, I can't speak for every synagogue, but you know, if a stranger shows up at a, at a church... And it doesn't matter what faith they are. When they show up, you go, well, and for me, I'm welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Come on in. We're take glad a anybody's seat. coming. Yeah, please come in. You know, we're going to have this and we're going to go through a service and you can have some coffee or whatever. Yeah. Make yourself at home. I've only ever felt that way whenever I go to a synagogue that people are Mo- always. Almost all synagogues, I've been uh, telling people to go and have led uh, people to synagogue. And I've never heard of a synagogue turning away. No. Uh, even when we have in our, our encounter group, uh, Chris. We go to 770, mm-hmm. and they are always welcoming. Yeah. In fact, they're looking to to convert people. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are happy you're here, and hey, put on tefillin. And <laughs> yeah, they are trying to make uh, everybody become Jewish. But the 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 thing that Bridges is, uh, if you're wondering what is this Bridges program, you know, because you're hearing all these things that Patty's done. She's not only t- doing coursework, taking classes that are very easy too. It's low yeah. pressure. And it's, Steve, it's a deal. It's a steal of a deal. It's, it's free. free. It's free. You come, you want to do homework, don't do homework. <laughs> you want to watch a video, don't watch the video. It's great. As long as you're here, you're welcome, yeah. no problem. That's going to be the commercial for uh, for Bridges. We're going to have Steve do ex- that line exactly. You want to come, you don't want to, don't do homework, you want to, you don't have to. That is great. We're, I'm getting you on film doing that. And you can do it from home. Uh, yep. I mean, it's just so easy. You could easy. do it in your jammies. The thing I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the right. things you learn. I mean, I'm just so impressed with uh, Bruce Scott and uh, Cameron Joyner. I mean, just their teaching is great. You're teaching the intertestamental uh, inter- period. Mm-hmm. I can't believe all that went on within that 400 years. I know. That's just scratching the surface. It, it's unbelievable. What I feel like I really am in college, mm. and you have to write things down. Steve, your book on uh, Jewish uh, customs and culture, is mm-hmm. that right? Oh, she is that just... Book. No, no, she is just rattling them off. You have to get the book. She's we've like men- a we've commercial. Me- well, we've mentioned that Patty's our number one fan. She is our number one fan. So, I hope I am. You, you are. You are. Hey, Patty. You know, um, the the idea of bridges is to really uh, train people, Christians. It's to train Christians on how to love and support Israel and the Jewish people. And to get them, I I always say Bridges is the couch to the synagogue. You know, a training program for getting you to a 5K. They call them the couch to the 5K. Maybe you've never run a 5K before, a race, and you've sat, you're you're a... uh, you know, you sit on the couch, a couch potato. Well, we they give you these programs to get you from the couch to the 5K. Yeah. Well, we want to get you from the couch to the synagogue. It looks like, not that you were sitting on, you're not a couch she's potato. Not, she's making soap. I know. You're not a couch <laughs> potato, but we got you from your home to the synagogue. Yeah. And uh, I would have never have done that otherwise. I would have felt nervous, like, would they welcome me? Where It was unbelievably welcoming. All the people there were welcoming. I, it was it felt really good. Yeah, that's great. Well, and what I think you're in week three or week four of a nine. It, Bridges is nine weeks long. Yeah, the next last night was our fourth. Yes, and then we'll be on our fifth, and it's we almost don't want it to end. I yeah. was on last night. Yeah, Steve you gave your testimony. I was awesome. on, and something first happened that I don't think's ever happened before. 
the last time I gave my testimony to the Bridges folks, I was given 10 minutes and took 25. Which is normal. Which is not good. Uh, and so you actually, you're not a betting man. You didn't actually bet. But yesterday when we were, when we were going through, it's pretty what, close. Though. I thought if there's a, if there's a time to bet some money, now's it right you now. You thought it was a sure thing, which tells you why you shouldn't bet. That's right. Because you were willing in spirit to put down a hundred big ones. A hundred dollars. And, and, uh, Cameron told me, he said, look, Steve, I, I, I might have to cut you off. We only have a limited amount of time. So I said, tell me the amount of time. He said, 10 minutes, 9 minutes and 30 seconds. Did it. Boom, I did it. Who should I donate to? That's the thing. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> no problem. Give it to a quip. Give that, it to okay, a quip. Okay, sounds good. That uh, That is, I, I was just joking, but Steve, I mean, look at Steve and I come into this podcast room and we go, all right, we're only going to do 45 minutes and then it's an hour later, you know? <laughs> That's right. Because we, I know Steve talks, I like talking, so I was overtime. trying to- Overtime. We always do overtime. <laughs> well, and that you only count the nine minutes and some odd seconds for the actual test, but then people asked you questions Yes, they well. did. Yes, okay. they but did. But you're, you're was done. I told Cameron I did it. That's all. Let it be said. Uh, so it shall be written. So it shall be done. <laughs> That's what they said in uh, who is that guy? Yule Brenner, who is Pharaoh. So it shall be written. So it shall be done. Anyway, uh, either way, yes, it was done. We had 10 more minutes of questions, right? Yeah, and it was awesome. A lot of people, too. Yeah, mm. a lot of people, but great teaching. Cameron yeah. was teaching yesterday, Amazing. and it was really Amazing. Great. Well, you know, if you're interested, when you're hearing from Patty, she's done some interesting things so far. You could hear how touched she was by going to a Jewish cemetery um, or going to a synagogue for the first time, which is just phenomenal, and learning, uh, 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 engaging, and hearing from Steve about and other Jewish believers about their testimony on how they came to faith and getting great tips and trick not tricks but tips and training on how they can uh, engage into the Jewish community and just show the love of Jesus uh, I want to encourage you to go to foi.org forward slash bridges again that's foi.org forward slash bridges we have three bridges classes that are coming up in 2023 and you've grouped them together we're, that's right we're gonna have one in the spring one in the summer and one in the fall they're nine weeks long and it's, again Steve they're free. Free, free. Wait, 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 wait. I just, Patty, you don't consider yourself to be aggressive, very forward. You're kind of shy or apprehensive to talk to strangers normally. Wouldn't you say that's true? Sort of. Okay, well, at least I was under that impression because you actually have a story where the Holy Spirit led you to go back to somebody who is oh, a vendor, yeah. just a vendor right here, here. right yeah. here on yeah. the property. And that's, that's out of, I thought that was kind of out of character to you, but you're sensitive to the spirit yeah, of God. I, I, Can you real fast? I don't know if you could do it real fast, but share what happened at that time. Oh, uh, wow. I was leaving work and the person had pulled up and I walked past him to get to my vehicle. And I felt like to go back and asked if he needed help. I'm a woman, and I'm thinking, why am I asking a man if he needs help? But I did it. Mm. And he said, no, I'm okay. And I said, well, here, let me get the door. So he brought everything in, and I waited. I was talking to Kim. I said, Kim, do we have, like, a track or something that I can give him? I just feel like I need to give him something. So I got him something, and when he walked out, I walked out with him. And don't remember everything exactly to the T, but I, I just gave it to him. He took it, and I said, do you go to church? And he said, I used to. And I said, do you need prayer for anything? I, I, I would like to pray with you. 
And all of a sudden, he grabbed me and he just held me and started crying. Isn't that amazing? amazing. It's amazing. And, yeah, and I asked him if he knew the Lord. I, 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 I told him, you really need Jesus. And uh, he, he said that he did know Jesus, but it's been a while. And he said he was in some kind of trouble. And he just held on to me and cried. And I had his little tears on my shoulder. And wow, I just really felt so heavy for him. But I think something broke after we prayed. I had some prayer with him. And uh, you just never know. Just listen. Yeah. Well, that, in fact, that's a great segue, Chris, yeah. to what we're <laughs> listening to God when he speaks to you. Mm. Uh, oh, Steve, <laughs> good night. You are right. Listening to God. We're going to be talking about a guy who said, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's right. It would have been the total opposite of what total Patty does. That's right. And here she was a blessing to someone she didn't even know. And she was walking away, but that still yeah. small voice, mm-hmm. and maybe you ought to go back. And she's sensitive to the Spirit of God. Anybody who is uh, twice born, born again, we have the Spirit of God that we're sealed with. And if we're listening, if we're listening, we have our choice. We could be like Jonah and say, yeah, I heard you, but no thanks. Uh, or I heard you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be obedient. Yeah, you know, um, Patty obeyed and listened, but the, the one that we're, that we're going to be looking at today, he actually said, no thanks, God, and he walked the other direction. But you know what, Patty, it was going through my mind as you were saying, telling that account that you had, that moment that you had uh, with that man, is that you, know, you don't ever know what people are carrying around yeah. with them. And the burdens they carry, 100%, and the 100%. weight that they carry, and the fact that there must have been so much weight on that man's shoulders yeah. that the moment you offered prayer, he cracked. Yeah. And you know, you just think of how many people are walking around like that. Not even you know unbelievers, but believers as well, just carrying around a weight. Yeah. Um, and it really shows the importance of you know you didn't come at him and say you need to believe in Jesus. You came at him and said, "Can I pray for you?" Yeah. And you know that is such a, just a great way of entering into somebody's uh, pain, because yeah. prayer does work. So You know, Chris, uh, there is a worker named Mitch Treisman who uh, taught me uh, a great lesson that I've used from time to time. I don't do it all the time, but you go out to a restaurant. Everybody goes at some point to a restaurant. Wait, waiter or waitress comes. You're looking at your menu, and uh, when they come to take the order, you say, hey, w- w- you know, we are uh, about to pray for our food. And before we do, we'd like to know if you have any prayer requests. We'd like to pray for you. Mm-hmm. And you would be surprised, just like Patty, just saying that people share sometimes too much information, yeah. uh, but they're willing to share, and they thank you that you'd be willing to do that. And uh, so Patty is bold enough and and wise enough to be obedient to that call and uh, just you, we could all make an impact in just regular things we do if we're asking for God's wisdom to reach out, if we have that desire to reach out. And this is Jonah is a prophet that did the opposite of Patty. Uh, Jonah is a prophet who was summoned by God to go to Nineveh. Um, Nineveh, Steve, is a is the central location. It's the capital of the Gentile world. Uh, in the time period of Jonah, which is probably the 7th, 8th century BC. And so uh, it's the central capital of the Gentile world, Assyria, Nineveh. And um, so God calls this man, Jonah, to go to Nineveh and to let the Ninevites know, hey, listen, your sin is so bad, it's so abhorrent, it's so disgusting that God smells it and he doesn't like it, 
and he is going to judge you. Judgment from above is coming down on Nineveh, and I need you to go tell them that if they turn and and repent and come and turn to me, I'll forgive them and I'll relent from my calamity on them. And uh, and that's when Jonah says thanks, but no thanks, and jumps to Jaffa and jumps on a pays a fare and jumps on a boat and goes the opposite direction God told him to go. Hundred percent. You know, I did a little a little work on this just to kind of get an idea of Jonah, and I really am glad I did. Number one, this, there's only two books uh, in the Bible that end in a question. Jonah is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nahum is the other. And uh, most people think, Chris, oh, Jonah, it's the great fish. So they think of, and some even say a whale, if you're in Tel Aviv, uh, and particularly in Joppa, which is a suburb there, you see that little whale that they've had for years with the fountain. Uh, but it's only mentioned four times. The great fish is only mentioned four times. Nineveh, the great city, is mentioned nine times. The disobedient prophet is mentioned 23 times. And Chris, the number one name that's there is God. Mm-hmm. And God is mentioned 37 times. This story really is as all of the scripture is about God and how he deals with Jonah. And when we think in terms of what this book is, I think you can find a key verse in uh, chapter 2 and verse 9, which ends, the verse ends with this, salvation is of the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's the same message we preach, Chris, to this day. Uh, It's just an amazing thing to think about. Uh, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, just as you said, uh, Grise go forth to Nineveh, and verse 3 said, but Jonah rose to flee. <laughs> I find great humor. Hey, God is speaking. This great guy. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Yeah. Jonah, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. You know, this is, uh, if there were a Yiddish slash Hebrew word we could stick in here, it'd be chutzpah, <laughs> that God tells you to go do something. You say, no, I'm not doing that. No. Thanks, but no, no thanks. No. You know, but it is amazing that Jonah... There's a you talk about you know when Patty ministered to that man and he broke, uh, you know Jonah broke and the reason Jonah broke and snapped and went in the other direction and had the chutzpah to say no to God was because inside he was dealing with something. God was calling Jonah to go to somebody that he hated. He hated these people. He was frustrated with these people. He was angry with them for the way they abused the Jewish people. And Ninevites were horrible. Horrible people. I think there's a relief in the British Museum that de- uh, uh, depicts how the Ninevites or the, the Assyrians, that's the larger empire, would go and conquer lands. And they would impale people and they would do horrible things to them. They would destroy cities and take women away and co-mingle groups together just for their benefit of, of assimilation. And you know, it's you think about that, and here's God saying, "I know that you nobody likes these people, but I need you to go, Jonah." And Jonah broke, and he said, "Nope, I'm not going." In fact, Chris, it's interesting. I believe he was a believer. I believe he believed in the living God. He testifies so in verse nine. He said to them, "I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, 
who made the sea and the dry land. He, I fear the Lord. But by the way, I'm on this boat. I'm here to tell you I fear the Lord. I'm on this boat. I'm running away from it. Right. I'm doing the opposite thing, just so you know. Well, that was also because they're out on the Mediterranean Sea, and all of a sudden the, a storm comes and is uh, rocking the boat back and forth. Death is imminent for all these people. And that's when Jonah goes, I know who's doing this. It's me. I'm... I'm the reason that everyone's going to get thrown into the sea here. Uh, so he just throws himself up and says, all right, it's me. And throw me overboard. I it's promise true. it'll the, end. The, the lot <laughs> fell to Jonah. That's right. That's, that's what it says in verse 7. They were taking lots. Yep, it's me. I'm telling you, just dump me. Just, <laughs> it, it'll be good for you. Not so much for me. And even though he's saying that, interestingly enough, in verse 17, right before we get to chapter 2, uh, it says, the Lord had, prepa- had prepared, past tense, had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. So while Jonah was uh, working with them on the, on the who drew lots and he's running away, all this time, God is working with a great fish and saying, hey, have I got a deal for you? <laughs> I want you to swallow somebody, but you can't eat them. <laughs> can, I, can we go back to, to the lots? Because the lots make me laugh. Lots are uh, divine. I'm, I'm being... Facetious here, but it's divine gambling. It's divine gambling, and it's hilarious because you know the roulette table landed right on Jonah. You know, here is let's cast lots. Let's see who's got anything. Okay, (laughs) is anything okay? (laughs) Not for not for Jonah. Zygazun, live and be. That's right. Get out of here. He wasn't living and be well. No, he was he was in a bad place, and he was a bad place because God. You know, when you cast lots. God is going to reveal, that's the point of lots, God's going to reveal what's going on here. He did it. They cast lots when, when after, um, uh, oh, now I'm having a, a brain freeze here. Who was it in one of the apostles, the, the bad apostle, Judas. When Judas dies and they have to find another apostle, they have to cast lots in Acts to find out who would be the next, which means they basically were saying, all right, here we go. God's going to choose between the two of you. And they throw lots down and, oh, it was you. They did it with the two with the two goats at, in Yom Kippur. They take lots and they go, all right, who's going to the wilderness and who's going to become the... You're a loser either way. Yeah, you're exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lose-lose situation for them. But ultimately, you know, here God is, it's a gamble, but God isn't in the gambling business. He's in the sovereignty business. And so that's why when they throw those lots down... There's Jody goes, yeah, it was me. It so was, get me out me. of here. Get, get me out of here. <laughs> uh, nothing has gone right for me. I, I, but the key is, Chris, I think there's some of our listeners, because I know it's happened to me, there are things or people or some, whatever it is that you don't want to do or you don't like them, you're kind of being obstinate. We are obstinate. And mm-hmm. uh, our people wrote the book on what it means to be that. And uh, so he was trying to flee. Uh, but no matter how far he went, no matter what direction he went, God is going to give a U-turn and we'll find that out later. Do, do you ever have a moment in your life where you were obstinate uh, with God's I, God? What do you, but the question should be, <laughs> is there ever a point when you're not obstinate? I think I told the story. I knew I had to leave uh, my father and my mother after I was a believer, and I knew I had to move to California. I think I described this. Um, uh, so I pack up my Pinto uh, all my worldly possessions. I didn't have that much, and I'm off to California. I've never driven cross country before, uh, and I'm telling you, it was a stress. Mm. I, there was this voice in my head: "What are you crazy? There, you have nothing in California. You have no sense of a job. You have no money, and yet you're going." 
And I remember it was it was very stressful. There was this voice saying, "Go back. Your parents, they, as long as you don't talk about Christ, your parents will let you live there, and you could find a job. You have connections." Well, uh, I just said, "Lord, I threw out a fleece, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, just let me see the Indiana border. I lived in Ohio. If I see the once I see the Indiana border, I'll." Go in, th- and I will not look back. In the meantime, the stress, struggle. I'm trying to be obedient, but it was there was no lots. I don't know. The betting would probably be, I'd be more like Jonah. But I, when I saw the sign for Indiana and crossed over, I never looked back. Did it happen instantaneously? Right when he instantaneously. Wow, really? I, I never looked back for, forever. Uh, yep. f- uh, I've never gone back home to live. I've gone to visit, but I've never gone back to live. Uh, The Lord opened up a whole new journey, a whole different life uh, just for him. And I had no idea, and Jonah had no idea what God would have for him. Yep. You know, when I, um, I remember when I was in seminary, um, I remember saying to myself, I love friends of Israel, but I remember, I, I knew you had to raise funds to do, you know, to be a representative of friends of Israel. You had to raise your own funds, uh, do deputation. And I remember saying to myself, I will never do deputation. Never. You know, and even though I felt a calling to the ministry, I will never. Kind of like a Jonah. Yeah. And then you called me one day, and I can remember where I was. I was sitting near a coffee shop out in my car, and you called, and you said, you didn't even say hello. I think you just said, what are you doing with Friends of Israel? And I said, <laughs> I, I don't know. He goes, all right, well, you're, you're, gonna, you're part-time now. We're going to make you part-time. And I said, all right, great. And you said, you have to raise funds. And I remember thinking, this is my this is my Jonah moment. I can either get on a boat and go the opposite direction and say, I'm sorry, Steve. No, thanks. I don't, I don't feel called to do that. Or I could, you know, I had that moment. I really wrestled with, you know, I said to God, I'm not raising funds. And he challenged me. And, and to think of what it would have been like had I said, no, nah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not called. Because it's a calling to raise funds. It really is. Uh, oh, it most definitely. Now you're in a position where you're helping me raise funds for the whole department. I know, isn't that funny? <laughs> you're, you're doing deputation all the time. <laughs> but that's, what's, that's what God does, though. In the, sometimes in the greatest... It was a fear for Jonah to do this. And, you know, Absolutely. And you're going to see what that fear, how that gets worked out. But, uh, you know, Jonah's a great example of what not to do. Ultimately, which is a great story in the book, you know? You know what he was really worried about? He was worried about that the people he hated would be the people who would embrace the grace of God and and have the same kind of thing that he had, a belief in the living and true God. He didn't like that because he didn't like them. Uh, And it really helps me, Chris. Uh, There are people... Uh, right now, we're in the middle of politics. Mm. Uh, we don't have to talk a lot about politics, but uh, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, as we approach the election, each side is going to say, oh, the uh, the country or the state or the city or the school system is going to pot if the other guy gets in. And they're this and they're that. And whatever is true, he thought that of Nineveh. But do we take the time to pray for the people who we don't agree with? Mm-hmm. Uh, as our leaders, as potential leaders, do we believe that God loves them? Mm-hmm. I think those are, I, I, you know, you could read Jonah as a distance, say, boy, am I glad I'm not Jonah. <laughs> I'm not Jonah. I'm doing pretty good that, by myself. That's right. Okay, let's bring it up to 2022 in October and find that group. I, for me right now, 
I've started, just since we looked at this, started to look at it and say, man, there's people that I haven't prayed for that they might come to know Christ just because I don't like their politics. That's mm-hmm. a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. That just shows my sinful heart. You know what else this does to Jonah is, I, I want to read this, because after Jonah gets thrown into the sea, it says in verse 13, instead the men did their best to row back to land after Jonah. Can you just see him row? <laughs> I know, rowing like crazy. Yeah. Uh, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. That's because they threw Jonah into the sea. For you, Lord, and by Lord, they're saying Yahweh's name. For you, Yahweh, these these non—I don't think these are Jewish people. No. Uh, uh, you, Yahweh, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And then this me, these then at this, the men grew, grew uh, greatly feared Yahweh. They greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So it's amazing to me that sometimes— you know, God's what we're what Jonah always reminds me is God's going to course correct you no matter what. If he if his will if he has a if he has a destiny and a call and a purpose for you, then he's going to send you there whether you like it or not. He's going to send you there. You can either go willingly or kicking and screaming. What's amazing is that even in his disobedience, God is using no, uh, Jonah to change the hearts of these men because it says right here that as they're out to sea and they're going, oh my goodness, Lord, forgive us because we're about to throw this guy over and I don't know what this is going to do. And as they're doing it, then all of a sudden the sea calms down and what do they do? They turn to the Lord, which is just an amazing sign that you, sometimes it's not just going to the city. You know, sometimes we have a vision, it's on the way to the city. Whether we're being obedient to the Lord or disobedient, God is still good. He still uses us to accomplish his purposes to bring people to Christ. 100%, Chris. It's on the journey. And I think that's really, that's even in the Great Commission, the idea that it's on this journey that we should be making disciples. It's not just where we're going to end up one day. It's right here, right now, how we're doing it, how we're ministering to people around us. That's why Patty listened to the Spirit of God and went back and talked to him and prayed with him and realized that uh, there were some things going on in this man's life and through her ministry. That moment, uh, he had he had had a, a peace mm. that he might not have had if she was disobedient. Mm. Mm. Patty, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there anything that you'd like to add as where you kind of close out our our uh, section here on Jonah chapter one? If, as you've been listening to Steve and I ramble on about Jonah chapter <laughs> one, oh, that's, that's awesome! I love I love hearing you guys and teaching how you teach. Um, I learned so much. Um, I, you know, I was actually thinking of Goldie. Because as I was taking care of her, she she was an elderly Jewish woman that that I lived next door to when I was growing up, and I was scared to minister to her. And God was so gracious to me because her husband had passed, and he had a Bible from the Jewish Federation, and she asked me to read it to her. What and a I, wonderful and I, opportunity! And I did. And I said, Lord, what do I do? So the first thing I read her was Psalm ninety one. Mm. Well, she bookmarked it. And she, she told me she would read it when she was feeling sick. And it was one of the chapels that we had. I don't remember shamefully which speaker it was that we had, but he just talked about like, like witnessing and evangelizing and not being afraid. And 
I went there that day and I said, I'm going to witness to her because I was reading her Isaiah 53 and I was sharing with her that was Yeshua. And then during Passover, I would read the Passover story and share with her. That's what Yeshua did for us. Mm. Like his blood covered us, you know, like you did the lentils on, on the doorpost, put the blood there and that's how we're covered. And then so that day after chapel, I went very quickly before I left, I would always kneel down and pray and pray with her. She would put out her hands wanting me to pray for her. And I said, you know, I wouldn't be your friend if I didn't share something with you. I said, you are 92 years old. And I explained to her salvation and Yeshua and that I said, do you know where you're going when you die? Mm. And she said, no. And I told her that Yeshua is her savior, her rabbi, her mm. teacher. And I said, if you would like to receive him, I will show you and, and lead you in a prayer, but you have to mean it with your, your heart, not your head or your lips. And she said, I want to do that. And, and I led her to the Lord that day. And I was scared to do it, but do it afraid. Mm. Because most of the times, the thing you're afraid to do is what God wants you to do. Do it afraid. Yeah. That's a good one. That's another good one. I know. We've got, that's another t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Do it <laughs> afraid. The one, we heard one last night. Patty, uh, or um, uh, from our one of our interns. What was it, Steve? Don't force it. Surrender it. Which wow. almost falls in line with what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Do it afraid. Yeah. Like it's you know, I'm sure Jonah was afraid to go there and, yeah. and all you know, but yeah. do it afraid. Do it, mm-hmm. and because God, you have to have faith that God's gonna use that moment. Yeah. Because uh, it is fear that forces us yeah. away from from it, it those is. moments. And I'm glad I did that because it wasn't too long that she. You know, she went. She went to Yeshua. She went to her, her savior. Amazing. You know? And the name of your book is uh, Israel Always. Mm-hmm. Pre-order it on Amazon. Okay. Guys. <laughs> Come on now. She's good. I'm excited. She's giving the commercial. She's hilarious. I love it. You know, Chris. Before we do that, I I was listening to a, a speaker who's with in heaven right now. But mm-hmm. it uh, there it came to my mind. Uh, one of the things that he said is, uh, he said this: the will of God is what you want for yourself. If you had enough sense to want it, <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's exactly what we've heard. Yes, uh, and that's exactly what we're talking about with Jonah. Uh, the will of God is what you want for yourself. If you had enough sense to, to want, want it. it, yeah, that's really good. good. Wow. That's good. really good. good. That's an Adrian Rogers ism. Oh, he's wow. a good one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, uh, we're that's wrapping up Jonah chapter one. I hope that you read through Jonah chapter one. We're gonna we're gonna dive into Jonah's prayer. Actually, a very amazing prayer. Next week, um, as Jonah is sitting in there in the belly of the great fish and... Uh, Probably looking like this. That's right. If you're looking at the camera, there it is. He's, his eyes are bulging out. He's freaking out. He in is that, freaking out. In that fish. Hey, d- people could listen to this. What would Jonah look like after his experience three days in the belly of a whale? I submit to you, he his skin, his everything... No wonder those people in Nineveh <laughs> came to believe. <laughs> this guy walking around. That's right, bleached. Uh, <laughs> I cannot imagine. I would just, whoa, yeah. look at this guy. <laughs> what, what is he selling? I'm buying. That's right. So. That's right, soap. <laughs> he would need a lot of soap. Yeah. A lot of olive oil. Oh, that's good. All right, well, it's uh, let, let, that brings to a close our study on Jonah. That's Steve? right, only 25 minutes, and we turned it into how much? Exactly. I don't even want to talk about it. That's right. If I were a betting man. Hey, Steve, why don't we go to the news? To the news. Well, Chris, let's start off with a former Levi's exec, this is Levi's Jeans, CEO, says 
Woke capitalism has taken over corporate boardrooms. Jennifer Say, a longtime Levi's executive and lifelong Democrat, argues in her new memoir, Levi's Unbuttoned. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's hilarious. I know, that's, that's a good. great title. That's good. The woke mob took my job but gave me my voice. That's good. That is amazing. And uh, she's simply saying uh, corporate America's attempt to profit off millennial and Gen Z activism, and she spells out why, that they're trying to take advantage of them to make bucks, even though what they're doing, uh, well, here's what corporate leaders want us to believe they're do-gooders and not money grubbers. Man, she is, she was the CEO and she is ripping into them well the, the what they're ultimately doing which i agree with her on is they're still greedy they're just tapping into that ideology that they think is going to bring them money uh, i like this line that she has too steve which is she says uh, quote today's executives <laughs> reared these kids with an i'm not your dad i'm your friend parenting philosophy and they chase their children's approval they chase their children's approval they want to impress their woke kids with their own progressive bona fides you know i say this a lot the my mom when when she tells my mom went to catholic school growing up and she has she still has i think a uh, 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 what's it called uh, a deep fear of the nuns uh, that that were in her school and what they would, you know, she, she anxiety, you know, about the nuns. And I, I'm sad that she has that anxiety. But you know what my mom has, too? She has respect for people around her, and she knew who the authority was. When I see what's going on in public schools, when I see what they're talking about, how these par- these executives and parents are just raising their kids looking for the kids' approval, it shows that the kids are in charge and not the parents. It shows that the teachers can't do anything. The teachers aren't in charge. The kids are. The kids run the show. The kids, and that's, I really think that's kind of the start of the basis of this woke, uh, um, he, she calls it a woke mob, but the a woke progressive view. And she's a Democrat. Yeah. She's a Democrat. But she's also got, you can be, a, she's a Democrat with a, with a head on her shoulders. Oh, no, I agree. I'm just saying the expectation, and I think it's a lesson for us. Be careful who you categorize. So yeah. just because she's a Democrat, she has common sense, and she was in that culture. She sees what's happening, and it motivated her to write a book about it. Well, even um, Glenn Youngkin, who is the governor of Virginia, he should not have won that race in Virginia, but he won because of what his uh, what, what what the Democratic uh, um, uh, incumbent was was saying, which was uh, it's not a parent's job to talk about what goes on in school. It's not a parent's job, and that one phrase brought it just crumbled his entire campaign and it rose it gave it gave rise to glenn yunkin and that's his mission now and that's the idea oh it's not a parent's place you stay out of this parent everything is anything in the progressive movement is which is what i think she's talking about is saying we don't need the parents in here Mm -hmm. you know you want to come to school and act like a cat and need a kitty litter box in the the, because you identify as you go ahead we won't tell your parents you want to change your gender when you come to school don't worry we won't tell your parents so even Mm -hmm. those parents that have that authority and have that in their home the schools are even telling them don't worry about that. they're trying to take it away and parents uh i don't know how it's going to end uh but right now parents are very upset and they're vocal not in just one location all around the country. Not in just one location and also not in just one party. That's, yep, it's that's a correct. bipartisan 
situation that I think she's drawing upon saying this nonsense is what got me fired. But also her voice, there's a lot of a lot, a lot of times you can think, am I the only one who thinks this way, that this is wrong? I think there's a lot of people, Stephen Patty, that think that what's going on in the world right now with wokeness is wrong. She got her voice. That's why she wrote the book. That's, That's right. great. Well, Chris, the Jerusalem Post tells us that a committee approves the appointment of Hersey. Just add a G, and it would be Hersey. But uh, that's <laughs> as close your as, cousin. That's that's as close as I'll ever get to any uh, uh, appointment to anything in Israel or the states. But the committee approves appointment of Hersey Halivi as that's right. chief of not, staff. Not not the Levi's pants brand. It's Hersey <laughs> Halivi. That's right, that's Halivi. Right. We got a Halivi and a Levi, and that's right. Ay, 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 there's so many Jewish people all over the place. <laughs> That's good. Uh, all right. Well, here, why don't you tell us, Chris, what's interesting about this is Hersey is, this is a first for the chief of staff. He is, where he lives is actually an important part of what his responsibilities are going to be. We've actually, um, we've we've taken, taken two articles and we've put them in our show notes to show you how the, different the views are. Uh, that when when we when you think about this new appointed uh, uh, chief of staff in in the army, Al Jazeera and Jerusalem Post. Okay, so let me read Jerusalem Post art, uh, headlines. Committee approves appointee appointment of Herzi Halevi as chief of staff. Let me read Al Jazeera. Israel appoints settler as army <laughs> chief in occupied West Bank. <laughs> You gotta love it. That's what I love about the news. You know, if you if you just sit in the middle, you can learn a lot. You know, <laughs> turn to your right, turn to your left, uh, that you get two different perspectives. Exactly. So one of the things that is, stands out, which is why I'm glad that uh, Laura posted this, is that Al Jazeera, which is definitely I, I'd argue an anti-Israel uh, publication, uh, is saying that the new army chief of staff is a settler, which means he lives. In the West Bank, Israelis don't call it the West Bank, by the way. They call it uh, Judea and Samaria, because that's the area. It's Judea and Samaria. And so he lives in Judea and Samaria, and uh, I don't know exactly what town he lives in, um, but it, it scares uh, the, um, the more, um, uh, not left, but the Muslim angle on this. Uh, actually, there was a Palestinian reporter who came out and she said that her biggest issue is she says as a Palestinian commentator have uh, said having a settler as a chief of staff raises concerns that the military's conduct toward the Palestinians will worsen, further entrench Israel's occupation and make the creation of a Palestinian state all the more impossible. Well, you know, Chris, uh, when I read a short biography of of Halivi, I'm glad he is living where he's living and overseeing. It's, he's 54 years old. He was drafted in 1985 into the Paratroopers Brigade and served in the elite Syriette Matkal General Staff Reconnaissance Unit before starting to command it in 2001. That means this guy knows what he's doing. And he's been through all kinds of different things. And uh, it's exciting to see what's happening. Defense Minister Benny Gantz, who you're friends with. 
I have a picture with him. It's the most hilarious picture. I'm five seven and a half, and he's about six six. So the it, tallest Israeli in I, he's the tallest guy I ever was next to. He's, and I said, "Hey, do you mind if I take a pic? Would you take a picture?" Oh no, I won't mind. So I <laughs> so I shake his hands by his chest, and it's over my head. Well, this is when you were in Israel a couple times ago, and there were the elections going on, and Benny Gantz was running for office for his party to try to become prime minister and um and it was against netanyahu and there you are shaking hands and did you even say i might never vote for you if i were israeli what, no did- i told him i said i'm visiting from the states and i'm so excited i said can i just say one thing i want security for israel oh yeah and he said i promise i'll give security to israel the, the, the- i said Zai live and be well <laughs> Live and be well. You know, when when we think about um, the the liberals, the conservatives, the progressives, the all the, the the spectrum of politics. You know, the thing that's interesting about Israeli politics is there is a group of progressives that don't want anything to do with you know security and all that. But mo- the vast majority of Israelis, it doesn't matter where they land on the political spectrum, want security for Israel. They want. Iran in check. They have. They. There is no. You know. In in our world. You know. We're we're saying we should never make a deal with Iran. And uh, the you know the Democratic Party will go. No, we can make a deal, and we can do this, this, and this. Uh, or at least some in the party say that. In Israel, they all go. You're crazy to make a deal hey, with Iran. Even Lapid, who he is not by any means uh, regarded as conservative. Uh, he is more on on the left side. And that's why they were going to share the government between a much more conservative Bennett and him. And now he's prime minister. And so far, Chris, he has responded the way just about any other prime minister would, always keeping the security number one. And the Iranian deal, he's he's had all kinds of quotes to make sure that's a dangerous deal and it's not in Israel's best interest. So you're right. Uh, Israelis care about it. You know, Chris, you and I and, and Patty are here in New Jersey. Uh, it's about the same size as Israel, 10,000 square miles. Mm-hmm. And they're surrounded by enemies. People can't drive. I drive in from Pennsylvania and Israel. You can't, you just don't drive into Syria. <laughs> <You don't laughs> or Jordan, or even Jordan, who they have a deal with. Jordan, uh, they have a deal, deal with. with and Egypt. But you just don't do that. Most Israelis, when they say, I'm traveling, they're on a plane. They're mm-hmm. not driving to another country like we drive to other states and so they're constantly I, I i can't imagine what it's like to constantly know that the people around you want you dead yeah all the, yeah definitely constantly you know um even in uh in um uh not just syria but lebanon as well right there on the southern border is uh and hezbollah Gaza, they're shooting rockets and hezbollah has 50,000 rockets ready to be launched in. It's just unbelievable. Do you know, uh, I was, this is a little off subject, but I, I was. Oh, do it anyway. I, I knew, I knew <laughs> You're on you the Jew and the Gentile <laughs> podcast. That's what we do. It's on subject. It's off subject. But I was, uh, I had an Uber ride um, from, in Calgary, going at four in the morning, going to the airport from my hotel. And it was an Iraqi man that was taking me. Oh, we had a fantastic conversation. I told him who I was and what I do. And um, we were talking about the Middle East. And, you know, after he left Iraq, he went to Dubai. And he said, those people, it's so hard to work in Dubai as an Iraqi man. I said, why? why? You speak the same language. He goes, they know who I am. They know I'm Iraqi. They don't want to work with me. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. So then he went to Jordan. And he goes, 
I couldn't find a job. The Jordan, the Palestinians in Jordan wouldn't even give me a job. I couldn't find work as an Iraqi man. So he came over to Canada, Canada where he, you know, the guy is like, he was telling me all the businesses that he and started. And he's working at four in the morning. He hustles and he goes, I'll never work because he had done some other work. And he goes, I'll never work for anyone else again. So he does. I wake up in the morning. I drive this. But he told me his whole resume. It's a phenomenal resume. You know, he's. A brilliant man. He was telling me all about his business ventures and all this stuff. But now he's an Uber driver in Calgary. He loves it. Uh, but he said it was very difficult even in his own culture to find work. And not because he wasn't talented or didn't speak the same language. It's because they wouldn't let him work. And that was just an interesting conversation. So We live in interesting days. Then we do live in interesting days. And we also have an interesting... Word. All right. The Yiddish word of the day, everybody. The Yiddish word of the day. Steve, I'm going to... Let's gonna... see, you, let's see right. you pronounce it. I'll, I'll help you. All right. Here we go. Let's take a deep breath. Flar... For... Flurblungend. 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 Yep. It's just saying... If you say it, it translates itself. You're saying flurblungend. What, what is... That, that's so confusing. Bingo! Flurblungend. <laughs> <laughs> For blunger. For blunger. All right, for blunger means this. Listen to this. A for blunger is a Yiddish adjective that aptly describes the state of aimless wandering or being hopelessly lost and unsure where to turn next. And where was Jonah going the opposite way? Hopelessly lost. He was hopelessly lost. But you know what's amazing? That even being hopelessly lost, God found him found him and was drawing him right back and to where he needed to be he had to go back to the yellow brick road you know sometimes i feel like i'm a little flirt blungeon i always feel that way i feel like sometimes i'm where i go where am i did you ever, did you ever uh go come downstairs to get something and you're going you come you go i gotta go downstairs and get this and you it's two seconds you walk downstairs you go why did i come down here Hey, I, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I've been, I was at a time where I was traveling quite a bit. I woke up and I forgot where I was. I <laughs> forgot completely where I was. I woke up and I'm looking around. I couldn't find the bathroom because I thought I was home, but I wasn't home. <laughs> One day that will happen to you. For, for, I was for Bunger. You were, you were big time. That's a big, big one. Big time. You must have been real scared. Uh, <laughs> Well, everybody, this has been a great Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, I want to thank our great friend, Patty Larson. Yay, Patty. Yeah, great job, Patty. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for for taking Bridges. Thank you for taking FOI Equip. Thank you for representing Friends of Israel in every way that you do. Chris's number one fan. Being the Jew and Gentile number one fan. So, (laughs) hey, exactly. Well, I want to thank you for being with us. Hey, everyone, listen, uh, we've got some great classes coming up. It's all about Christian support for Israel. We're going to have a Thank God for Israel Day on November 2nd. Uh, You can go to foiequip.org to register for that class. Now, we're going to have Paul Pierce on Zionism, the history of Zionism, biblical Zionism. And then we're going to have David Brog, the former executive director of KUFI, Christians United for Israel, on in December. Hey, go to FOI Equip right now. Register for these free, free, free classes, Steve. Don't be for a blunger. That's right. Don't walk around aimlessly. Get there right now. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.